Hello and welcome to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Your mind is the greatest gift God has given you. That's why today we continue with a series called Rethinking Your Life. In these lessons, Rick shares nine biblical pillars we need to reshape our minds so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. Right now, here's Pastor Rick with part one of a message called Changing How I Think About Pain. We're going to continue in our series that we're calling Rethinking Your Life. We've been in it now for a number of weeks, and we've been talking about how to learn to think like God thinks, learning to think from his point of view. That's called wisdom. When you think from God's point of view instead of yours, that's called wisdom. Now, changing how you think, as we've talked about in the past several weeks, is called repentance. It's the word metanoia, change your mind. Anytime you change your mind from thinking the way you've thought about something to the way God thinks about it is called repentance. Now, so far, we've looked at changing how you think about a number of big issues in your life, like how you think about God and how we think about sin, and how we think about temptation. And in our last message, we looked at how we think about discouragement from God's viewpoint. Today, I want us to look about the topic of changing how you think about pain, how you think about pain. One of the most perplexing questions that people ask is, why is there pain in the world? And why does a good God allow pain? You know, it's not a new question. Thousands of years ago, Solomon asked this question in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, he says this. So what do people get for all their hard work and their struggles here on earth? Their entire life is filled with pain and their work is unbearable. And even at night, their minds don't rest. It all seems so pointless. Wow, does that sound like a relevant text? I want you to underline the phrase, their entire life is filled with pain. Entire lives filled with pain. You know, that sums up much of the world. I've traveled all around the world and I've seen that most people on this planet are living lives filled with pain. Every day is a pain, just getting up, finding food, uh, finding shelter, making it through another day. Why is life so difficult? Why is life so painful? Now, many scientific studies have documented that human beings are able to handle enormous amounts of pain if, if, if we know there's a good purpose for that pain. You see, it's worthless pain. It's arbitrary pain. It's pain that feels pointless, pain without any purpose. That's the kind of pain that is so unbearable and so intolerable. When you see a purpose behind pain, you can awful handle handle enormous amounts of it. For instance, many of you women have given birth to a child. Giving birth is painful, but women bear that pain for a great purpose. They bring forth life. I want to ask you moms out there, how many of you would say that the pain of childbirth was worth it? Let me see your hands. <laughs> okay. All right. How many of you would say, I want to experience that pain all over again for no purpose at all? Yeah, of course not. Nobody wants to do that. Pain with a purpose is manageable. Pain without a purpose is unmanageable. You know, a few weeks ago, I volunteered for a very painful surgery and recovery because I believed that the purpose of that surgery was worth the pain. I wouldn't have gone through that pain just for nothing. Here's the point. 
no matter what kind of pain you're going through right now, or no matter what kind of pain you're going to go through in the future, it may be physical pain, it may be emotional pain, it may be spiritual pain, uh, it may be financial or relational or, or mental, mental pain. You will be far better prepared to handle pain. You'll be far better prepared to cope with it if you focus on the potential benefits and the possible purposes of that pain. And that's what I want us to look at today. I know some of you are saying, well, okay, where do I get the encouraging truth to focus on when I'm uh, in deep pain? Well, the answer is the Bible. The Bible, the book of God's holy word is where you focus to get the purposes and the potentials and the promises of God. They're all in the Bible to help you handle the pain that's in life. Now, I want us to start today with one of the most famous promises of God in the Bible, Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28 says this. We know, notice, not we guess, we, we know. We know for certain. It's not we hope, we know. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, look at that verse for just a minute. We know that in all things, God works for the good. It doesn't say all things are good. Obviously, there's a lot of bad things in the world. And so not everything that happens in your life is good, and you shouldn't even uh, act like everything that happens in your life is good. There's a lot of bad things that happen to you and to other people because there is evil, there is sin in the world. But the Bible says we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. Now, this is not a promise for everybody. It's only a promise for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. But if you love God, and if you're trying to live according to his purpose, the Bible says God is working in all things, even the bad things, the evil things, the terrible things, the sinful things, the, the painful things of life. God says, I am, I am working even in all those things for your good. What is this verse teaching us? It's telling us that pain can be managed by purpose and on purpose and for a purpose. The pain in your life can be managed by purpose and on purpose and for a purpose. Now, <clears throat> if you've read Purpose Driven Life book, you know this, but let's just review what we know. First, we know, according to the Bible, that God has five purposes for each of our lives. These five purposes are repeated and reinforced hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible. What are those five purposes? Well, number one, God wants you to know him and love him. He wants a friendship. He wants a relationship with you. That's called worship. You were planned for God's pleasure. Second, God wants you to learn to love other people. He doesn't want you to just learn to love him. He wants you to learn to love others. That's called fellowship. And you're put on this planet to learn how to love. Life is a laboratory of learning how to love. You're formed for God's family. You're not meant to go through life alone. We're made for worship. We're made for worship. We're made for fellowship. Number three, the third purpose of life is to grow up spiritually like Christ. Once you're in God's family, God wants you to grow up. You're created to become like Christ. That's called discipleship. And then number four, God wants you to learn how to serve others. Why? Because God serves. 
God is a serving God. He wants us to be generous like him and humble like him and serving like him. In serving others, you are shaped to serve God. And God uniquely wired you to have a, a kind of service or a ministry uh, that he wants you to do with your life. You're not here to just take up space and breathe and use resources. You're here to make a contribution with your life. That's called your ministry or your service. And finally, number five, God created you to share your life message with others. God has put a unique message in you that he wants to say to the world, you are made for a mission. This is your witness, this is your testimony. This is what you say to the world. God's working in and through your life. Nobody else can share your life message, only you can share it. You're made for a mission. Now, those five purposes, worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and witness, or knowing Christ and loving his family and growing in Christ and serving Christ and sharing Christ with others, those are the five purposes of life. Most people know that, but what many people don't know is that God uses pain to help us fulfill all five of those life purposes. God uses pain to help you fulfill all five of those life purposes. But you have to cooperate with God or else you end up wasting your pain. And sadly, most people waste their suffering. They don't know how to profit from their problems. Everybody has problems, but some people profit from them and some don't. They don't know how to learn from their losses. Everybody has losses, but some people learn from them and others don't. Believers who grow are those who learn how to harvest their hurts. They learn to learn from their losses, to profit from problems. They learn how to improve from their injuries, how to advance from their adversity, how to gain from their pain. This is what God wants to do in pain, using the pain in your life. God doesn't have to create pain. There's plenty of pain already in the world, but God wants to use it for good. And this is why the question Paul asked in Galatians chapter three is so important. In Galatians chapter three, verse four, Paul says this to the people there in the church in Galatia, which is a city in, in Greece. He says, have you gone through all of this, talking about all the pain, have you gone through all of this for nothing? Is it all really for nothing? In other words, have you wasted the pain in your life? That's a question that I have to ask myself. It's a question you have to ask yourself. Are you wasting the pain in your life or are you learning from it and building the five purposes in your life from the pain in your life? You say, well, is it too late to change? No, it is not. It's not too late to change your mind. It's not too late to start benefiting from the pain. I, I wanna tell you this, you will have pain the rest of your life, whether you're here for five years or 50. So you may as well benefit from it. Never waste a hurt, never waste your pain. So this weekend, let's look at five ways to use your pain for good in your life, whether it's physical or emotional or relational or financial, any kind of pain, God wants to use it five different ways for good in your life. Now, let me give you a personal testimony. What I'm gonna share with you today, I know this works from personal experience. As I'm sharing this message right now, this is the sixth anniversary of when our youngest son died six years ago. Matthew took his life after battling mental illness uh, since he was a little boy. 
And that day, six years ago, was the worst day of our family's life. And we still feel the pain, and we still feel the sadness, and we still feel the loss. You get through it. You don't ever get over something like that. And yet, we are moving forward, and we're moving forward in hope because of what we know from God's Word, like the verse I just read, and because of how we have used the pain of Matthew's loss, his, the loss of his life, how we've used that pain for good and for God in our lives and in the lives of others in these last six years. So what I'm sharing with you is from personal experience. Write these down. Five ways God wants to use your pain for good. Number one, use pain to draw closer to God and trust him more. Use the pain in your life to draw closer to God and trust him more. You know, when anything painful happens, you've got a choice. You can either run to God or you can run from God. Now, the second way never made any sense for me. If you're running away from God, what are you running to? Who could help you more in your pain than God? Why not run to God? But some people, when they're in pain, they run to God. And some people, when they're in pain, they actually run from God. They run away from him. You know, I'll have to tell you that in the past six years since Matthew died, I've spent more time personally alone with God in the past six years than all of my previous life combined. Why? Pain has a way of drawing you close to God. Now, how do you do that? How do you draw closer to God when you're in pain? Well, the first thing you do is you just tell him exactly how you feel. You cry out to God, God, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. It, it's the most natural thing. You, you see a hurricane, you see a disaster, you see an earthquake. What are people saying? Oh my God. Oh God. They cry out to God. That's what you should do. Cry out to God. Tell him exactly how you feel. You know, whatever, if you want to argue with God, argue with God. God, I don't like this. God, I'm mad. I'm upset. That's a prayer. It's called the prayer of lament. You need to learn how to worship God in all the phases of grief. In other words, you use prayer to express shock. You use prayer to unload your sorrow, your sadness. You use prayer to struggle with your emotions. You use prayer to surrender your life to God when you don't know which way to turn. You ask God to use pain for good in your life. You use all of the emotions. You don't suppress it or repress it. You confess it to God. You know, our family in the, the last six years did what Paul did in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verses 8 to 10, he says this. He talks about a time he was so depressed, he says, we were crushed and overwhelmed, and we saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. You ever felt like that? Paul says, but that was good. What do you mean? Crushed, overwhelmed, powerless. He says, that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us, and he did help us. One of the first things our family did after uh, Matthew took his life, is we actually went away on a retreat together as a family, and we did a surrender to God retreat together, where we saying, God, we're going to put this all in the hands, all of our brokenness, all of our pain, all of our hurt, all of our sorrow. Can you imagine that kind of sorrow? 
And as a family, we did a surrender to God retreat. Why? Because pain can draw you close to God if, if you'll let it. You know, I could give you thousands and thousands of stories of people who came to know Jesus out of pain. God whispers to us in our pleasure, C.S. Lewis said, but he shouts to us in our pain. And thousands of people's lives have come to know Christ out of pain or their lives were transformed by the process of learning to worship, learning to trust, learning to draw close to God when you're in pain. The Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. God is never closer to you than when you're in pain. And many of you could say, pain turned me to Christ. That's why Paul later says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, he says, I'm glad, not because it hurts you. I'm glad, not because it hurts you, but because the pain turns you to God. And that's the first thing you can do. Don't waste your pain. Let it turn you to God. Spend longer times with him, reading the Bible, studying his word, being quiet, listening to God, being alone with God. That's what pain can do. It can draw you closer to God. That's called worship. Number two, the second way you can use pain uh, for good is to use pain to draw closer to others. Use pain to draw closer to others. This is called fellowship. If you allow it, and if you're honest about the things that are causing you pain, pain will deepen and mature your love and your relationships and your sense of community and koinonia. It will build authentic relationships. You see, suffering sensitizes you because it, it turns you away uh, from being self-centered to all of a sudden when you've gone through a major pain, you, you're, you're sensitized to it in others. And you can see other people in pain. And all of a sudden you care more about other people in pain. You know, there's a sad statistic that about a third of marriages uh, end up splitting up after the loss of a child because we all grieve differently and often a husband grieves one way and a wife grieves in, in another way and it causes people to, to go further and further apart. But Kay and I, when Matthew died, decided that we were going to use the pain to actually grow closer together rather than have it drive us apart. And one of the things we did is we decided to not try to talk each other out of our pain. But when Kay was going through a down moment, or a wave of grief, I would simply walk over to her and put my arm around her or just stand by her and be quiet. I wouldn't say anything. There were no words to say. It's just the ministry of presence. The deeper the pain someone is going through, the fewer words you use. You might write that down. The deeper the pain someone is going through, the fewer words you use. Sometimes people are afraid to go over to a friend's house when they've lost a love and say, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Just show up and shut up. Just be there. It's the ministry of presence. They don't need words. They just need your presence. Like when um, the night Matthew died and our small group came over and said, we're spending the night at your house. We're not going to leave you here alone. We're going to be with you. And they didn't try to preach any sermons or give us any words of wisdom. They were just there, the ministry of presence. And they slept on our couches and, you know, in our kitchen and everywhere. And, and, and I'll never forget that. And now, over the last six years, when Kay and I would go through different waves of grief, I'm going through grief, she would come over and just stand with me 
or sometimes a pat on the back or grab my hand, a physical uh, you know, touch, without trying to explain something away or trying to talk somebody out of, uh, uh, of their pain, instead of trying to help somebody get out of their pain, don't try to cheer people up when they're in grief. Instead, try to enter into their grief and feel it with them. That's how you use pain to build fellowship. That's how you use pain to build a relationship. That's how you use pain to get closer to someone, not trying to talk them out of what they're feeling, but actually you trying to feel it with them, sharing it with them. When we learned how to do that, I can honestly say I'm more in love with my wife today than when I met her over 45 years ago because we've gone through uh, the valley of the shadow of death together and so much together, and we're actually stronger. And what could have torn us apart actually brought us together. <laughs> I will tell you, I asked Kay, why do you think we're so much closer together after uh, you know Matthew died? She said, because you've been so nice to me. <laughs> but we intentionally worked at strengthening our relationship and we gave each other grace. And what that means is we didn't judge each other feel others' feelings. You see, we often think our feelings are legitimate, but your feelings are illegitimate. My fears are rational. Your feelings, your fears are irrational. No, no, we gave each other grace. So you stop judging each other's feelings and try to feel each other's feelings. That's what you do in pain to grow closer. You know, in the past, I've taught you the four levels of fellowship. If you're in a small group, I'm sure you've heard this before because we want your small group to grow to the deepest level of, of commitment, the deepest level of koinonia, the deepest level of fellowship. The simplest level of fellowship is what I call sharing together, sharing together. And that's when you sit around in a group and you're just sharing your lives. And you're talking about, well, how was your week and how was your week? And sharing together is good and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just at a, at, at a shallower level. Then a little bit deeper of fellowship is studying together. Now, you're not just talking about each other, but you're looking at God's word and say, what does this mean to us and the mind life? Going from sharing together to studying together is going from one level of fellowship to a deeper level. But if you want your group to get even closer, you go to the fellowship of serving together. And that's where you get a project and you, and you go work on a mission project or do a peace trip or a peace initiative. You do some kind of ministry together. Sharing is here, studying is deeper, serving together is even deeper. But the deepest level of fellowship when a group gets together is the fellowship of not sharing or studying or serving, but the fellowship of suffering. The Bible calls it the fellowship of suffering. Galatians chapter six, verse two says this, by helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, when you, when you share with each other in the suffering and you hurt when other people hurt, now you're loving your neighbors yourself. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We are so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. If you want to live a life full of purpose and joy, then you need to transform the way you think. And to help you do this, Pastor Rick created a brand new set of scripture cards with 52 hand-selected verses from his series, Rethinking Your Life. 
These verses will guide you into a deeper understanding of your purpose and faith, and you'll find yourself gaining the strength to overcome temptation and conquer discouragement. When you allow God's Word to transform your mind, you'll see your life through His eyes, apply His wisdom, and step into a life of purpose and joy. This set of beautifully designed cards will help you memorize Scripture so you can recall God's Word when you need it the most. You can also use them to minister to others, give one to a friend, and write a personalized note of encouragement on the back. If a Scripture really speaks to you, frame it. Put them in places where you can read them during the day for encouragement. And today, when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take the hope of Jesus to a world in need, we'll send you the Rethinking Your Life Scripture Card Set to say thanks. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. Thanks so much for your support. There's only three days left to get this great resource, so don't wait. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.